welcome back to another episode of Fast Break Club NBA Podcast. It's your boy Samuel here. I am back after taking like a month-long hiatus for school-related reasons. I had to finish up college. I was doing student teaching. So your boy finally done with that, finally graduated. So I'm back in the NBA content creating world, trying to put out whatever I can with whatever's going on in the NBA these days. And with me today, I got my guy, Cam. Cam, say what's up to the people. Yo, 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 what's good? All right. Um, before we keep going, we want to let the people know where they can find you at. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Cam Deloach 6, C-A-M-D-E-L-O-A-T-C-H. You can find me on Instagram at C.Deloach, C, period, D-E-L-O-A-T-C-H. All right. So let's, let's, get, into, let's get into this, this NBA talk. Um, this NBA season probably takes the cake from even last season as the weirdest season that we've had. And that's even including like the bubble and like that whole month, that whole, like, what was it? Like six month break in between whatever that happened. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think this season takes the cake as one of the weirder seasons in the league. I mean, just the like sheer amount of COVID absences that we're seeing along with like um players that we're we're seeing get signed to deals that we probably didn't expect to see get signed ever again <laughs> like you have Joe Johnson on like 10 day contract with the Celtics yeah you got Brandon Knight he's he's with the Mavericks he just entered into protocol sadly <laughs> you got um Kenneth Fareed he ended up back with the Nuggets G League team just today mm-hmm. so just like yeah, like you're just seeing all these weird signings of guys that like you probably didn't expect to ever see play an NBA game again, but here they are amidst all these COVID absences. And you know, I think it's been like a pretty um nice opportunity for some of these guys to showcase that they still can play in the league because they're not just coming in and like just sitting on the bench or whatever. A lot of these guys are coming in and actually making an impact. So it's you're like minutes. Big minutes. Yeah, yeah, they have no choice with uh with all the absences these days. So it's like it's good to see these guys make the most of the opportunities. Um, what's your take on this whole COVID situation and like how it's impacted like most teams in the league so far? Honestly, man, it. Well, I, I, I figured it was kind of inevitable. Um, just because the the world just got so relaxed, you know, with with COVID, and mm-hmm. I just felt like, you know, of course, with, with the new variant and how easily transmissible it is, I just figured, okay, if somebody gets it. Then it's gonna just it's gonna go crazy because nobody's wearing masks like they usually like they usually do, do. So it was inevitable. But man, like to see all these different kind of guys in the NBA uh, back in the NBA, it's just crazy. Like I just seen Mario Chalmers trying to make a comeback, and you know all the all these G League guys are getting call ups, and you know like you said, got guys like Joe Johnson, Brandon Knight, uh, Isaiah Thomas. It's a, it's a lot of guys is getting call ups from the G League that I wouldn't expect to see in the NBA. So it's for my team, unfortunately, we're battling some COVID right now. Uh, we got to call some guys up. So, but that's every team though. So it's 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 crazy. Yeah, I mean, like even with last year, there were teams that weren't really affected by it. Like for example, my Knicks, we didn't have that many COVID absences, so we were able to like benefit from being able to get chemistry going like really quickly and like not have it be disrupted by any COVID absences. I think the only COVID absence we had last year was was Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been like 
it's been um it's been weird to see every single team deal with it. Like now even Phoenix and Golden State, before they were the only two teams that kind of didn't have anything. Right. But now they've got like COVID absences. So it's like every team is affected by it and like there's no advantages this year for any team. Like anybody is at a everybody's at a disadvantage. So it kind of levels the playing field in a in a weird way as well. So like mm-hmm. no teams have advantages like they did last year and even in the bubble. So it's like it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out for the rest of the year. I mean, um, I mean, besides the G League guys, I think even some guys on like the regular rosters have been able to take advantage of not only just COVID absences, but like injuries in general. Mm-hmm. Um, first guy I want to talk about, though, is um, Kemba on the Knicks. He was <laughs> out of the rotation. He was out of the rotation. Um, and I think he was rightfully, I don't, I don't want to say rightfully removed from the rotation, but like the justification for it was kind of like there because he wasn't really playing as aggressive as he's been playing recently to start the year. Mm-hmm. And if Kemba's not aggressive, like it kind of defeats the purpose of having him on the court because exactly. like, yeah, there's no point of, of having a, a facilitating point guard like that. It was just not taking shots, not aggressive when you already got all these other guys on the court that, you know, can't really score as efficiently at, you know, as y'all got on the roster, no offense. Yeah, so, but yeah, nah, we needed him to be aggressive to, like, basically open up the game for um everyone else on the, on the on the court, and it's just, like, he wasn't doing that, and since he got benched, and he came back, he, he came back due to, like, basically, like, unforeseen circumstances, like, every, like, the whole guard rotation was in COVID protocols, mm-hmm. and, and Derrick Rose just had ankle surgery, so it was just, like, you have no choice, you have to play him. And he came out hot against Boston, continued it against um I forgot what other team he played against the Wizards. He played really well against had forty four. Mm-hmm. So like it's been it's been nice to see him do this, and especially since he's from here, it kind of helps that like the whole narrative behind it too. He just won Player of the Week too, so it was really good to see him like just step up and like provide some like stability for the Knicks at the point guard spot and help us win some games that we need to win this week. Um, what, what's your take on the on the whole Kemba next situation? Yeah, I, I it, just his decline from the last few years, especially with the knee injuries that he that he that he was suffering with in Boston. I I figured that Kemba would be like a fourteen to fifteen points per game type of guy, get a few assists, just take some of the pressure off Julius Randle. Um, I wasn't expecting him to be like you know like he was in Charlotte. I just wanted him to you know he's gonna be like a second or third option with that team. You guys got Fournier, who I thought would be playing better. I thought that RJ would take another step. So I thought that Kimba would just fit right in, you know, be a good shooter, good floor spacer. Defensively, he was never, you know, a, a great defender. So I, I expected what I, what you know, what you got this year from on defense. But you know, like you said, his lack of aggressiveness, and then with his lack of aggressiveness, he wasn't shooting the ball well at all. So it was, it was even worse. So it was just like, you know, you you literally can't play play a guy like that, you know. So you know, of course, quickly was playing good. Um, Quentin Grimes has been playing good. Uh, Derrick Rose has been playing good before the injury. So it was like, you know, it was kind of like you had to take him out the rotation. You didn't, It took him completely out, which I didn't expect. But, you know, it was inevitable at that point. So, Yeah, and, you know, he came back. I mean, we, we the thing about the Knicks with the guard guard rotation is that they have a lot of depth there. Like, even the rookie – um deuce mcbride was able to give us excellent yeah, minutes yeah. in, in a in a in a road game against um houston where he had like 15 
and nine nine assists with zero turnovers with four steals. Like if you get that from your rookie point guard, like your four string guard, basically, like mm-hmm. that's 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 impressive depth. Which I, I I commend the Knicks on like doing that. It's just like continuing on with the Knicks. It's just like everything else has been like so disappointing with this team. Like <laughs> Julius Randle has not looked like we expected him to look this year. We expected like a slight regression, but we didn't expect it to be like he doesn't like he looks like he doesn't care a lot of nights. Yeah. Um Fournier has looked absolutely abysmal <laughs> and RJ has been like inconsistent and then he had to deal with the this he had a stomach bug and then he got COVID and then it's just been like a shit show with 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 all the things that he's been dealing with. I mean, thankfully, we we do have depth at a lot of our positions where, like, guys, like like you said, like Grimes, he's been able to come in, play really solid minutes. Um, guys like Obi, I mean, they were out with COVID protocols, too, so we were just, like, really, really skimp. But, like, even when those guys aren't – even when our main guys aren't producing, like, the way we expect them to, mm-hmm. we do have some fallback options on the bench that we can, like, really look forward to. So it's, like, that's – been the saving grace for the Knicks this season is like those other guys it's not been the main guys which is kind of disappointing and we'll get into disappointing teams later <laughs> on in the episode but yeah I mean it hasn't been what I've expected so far how, how about yeah. you yeah I like like I that last season was so like perfect for y'all you know I was kind of like it wasn't a fluke because you you don't play a whole season as a fluke you know you guys mm-hmm. was really beating, you was beating good teams Julius Randle was an all-star. He, well, he was second team on All-NBA, right? Yeah. Second team, he was shooting like 41% from the three. So it was like, all right, these guys are good, but you know what can they do the next season? Like you said, with the addition of Evan Fournier, who's not a defensive uh, uh, asset. Uh, RJ Baird, I thought he was going to take an offensive leap. Defensively, he's still been good, but offensively, it's like he can't buy a bucket. Uh, Obi Toppin has been good. Like you said, Quentin Grimes has probably been the best shooter on your roster. And, yep. you know, just just the inconsistency from, from the roster. And, you know, Julius Randle was actually defending last year. Now it's like he's just out there vibing. You know, it's like it's just weird. Like some games you guys have flashes where it's like, okay, this is a team from last year that can, you know, win 40, 45, you know, 45 games, make a playoff push. And then there's other games was like, why are they losing to this team the way they're losing to this team? So it's – it's just the, the inconsistency from that roster, man. And like I said, you have a, a lot of good players, even, you know, on paper. Of course, you know, injuries and COVID but it has kind of ruined that. But, you know, when you guys are healthy, you guys have one, to me, one of the deepest rosters. And, you know, with the especially the guard versatility that you have. So it's, it's just weird, man. What's even weirder is remember how after the playoffs, everyone had this weird theory like, oh, Julius Randle can't play in front of fans. So here's the splits for Julius Randle in non-national TV games versus national televised games. In non-national TV games, he's playing, he is averaging 17 points per game, 10 rebounds, about five assists, shooting 39% from the field. (laughs) Pretty mid. Super mid. Yeah. That's that's, Um, that's horrible. (laughs) Yeah. In national broadcast games. 25 points per game, 10 and a half rebounds per game, six assists per game, 48% shooting. 
He's trolling. I, I just don't get it. He's trolling. <laughs> he know, exactly. He knows like he knows when everybody's eyes are on him, so that's when he decides to go off. But like against Detroit on a Wednesday night like tonight, he's probably not gonna play as well as we hope him to. And wow, I'm watching the game right now, and Grimes is starting for Evan Fournier because Evan Fournier is injured with an ankle injury. So we'll see how this goes tonight. So yeah. This should be an interesting <laughs> night for the Knicks. But um, yeah, as I was saying, uh, wh- what do you think about those um those um those stats by Julius Randle? It's just weird, man. It, it, that just kind of proves the point that it's his the nonchalantness, you know, coming from you know the national TV games and the non-national TV games. So it's like 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 if you if you puts up those numbers that he does on national TV games every night, the Knicks it's a different it's a different story for the Knicks. Yep, you know it's like literally if you just play the way that you play in front of in front of the the big crowd in front of the bright lights, we're not having this conversation. But it's like you know the the lack the lackadaisicalness that he has. I'm not even sure if that's a word, yeah, but just it might non- be <laughs> just the nonchalantness that you know that you have on these you know random like Tuesday games against or yeah like a random. Tuesday, Wednesday game against Detroit. Like, what are you gonna get? Is he gonna come out and dominate? You know, like he did the last, like he did last season in all the national televised games, or is he just gonna come out and have a, you know, just lay an egg and you know just go through the motions? So it's like when you have your your star player and you can't depend on him for that, you know, get that consistency. That's what separates, you know, literally the the, the all the superstars and the all stars and the good players. So I think that Julius Randle was a good player that had an all-star season. It was just a perfect storm for him last season. But I think that what we're seeing on, on more so this year is what Julius Randle actually is. So it's just weird. Very weird. Um, and I guess that kind of bodes well for if the Knicks make the play-in, playoffs, whatever it is, because all those games are on national TV, so... It bodes well if he, he if he really likes performing well on national TV if if the Knicks ever get to that situation. So Or <laughs> <laughs> Or is he just gonna be regular a regular of last year? When you, when, yeah, when you get to that spot. Yeah, like, like that yeah, that was kinda miserable to see him go through that uh against in the playoffs. That was like dang, like yeah. literally like how did you turn into literally the opposite of what you was? It's like it was yeah, it was it was nasty to watch. It was. And as a fan of the team, it was even probably worse for me than it was watch than <laughs> oh, yeah. it was for like the casual watcher. Yeah. But um other guys that have stepped up that I've noticed around the league step up in the in the midst of injury, um, COVID, whatever it is. Um your two guys on your team, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. Yes. Tell me yes, about those yes, two yes. guys. Man, Gabe Vincent has been a revelation for my team, man, especially with the absence of Kyle Lowry. Uh, he's just a solid guard, man. He shoots the ball well. He defends. He makes the right pass. And it's like, you know, we have a lot of guys on that roster, you know, with the absence of Jimmy and um and Bam. We just have a lot of guys that know their role and just play their role super good. So with Max Struess, he's actually been playing better than Duncan Robinson this year, who is probably one of the best shooters in the NBA uh, and he's just been lights out. Uh, So of course he's out with with COVID protocol right now, but you know, he has been putting consistent numbers up for us Uh, this month. He had 32 against Orlando. He had 24 against Detroit. He had 26 against Detroit again, and he's been shooting the lights out the ball. So 
he's like, and but for those guys, it, it, that's what we exactly what we need for the playoffs because last year we didn't have that depth off the bench like like we thought we did. So when you know when you get guys like Jimmy back and when you get guys like Bam and PJ Tucker and Kyle Lowry and Victor Oladipo, you know if something isn't going for you know one of those guys, you still got a, a, a decent role player who isn't you know who hasn't been playing minutes. You know these guys have been playing big minutes uh, in some big games. So, you know, it's a winning basketball. It's not, not like we're losing. You know, we're winning games. So those guys have been super good for us, man. So I'm I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it looks like you guys found some depth that, like, a lot of people kind of knock the heat on not having for in the offseason. Right. Yeah. Myself included. I saw the yeah, roster, and I was like, this is not really a deep. This is a really top-heavy roster, but, like, it's like a blessing in disguise, the COVID protocols and the injuries. They kind of allowed you guys to see what else you guys have on the on the on the roster and like see who can like really make a name to stay on the team. So Right. Yeah. And like I said, and these guys, they didn't play any minutes in the playoffs last year. And like you said, COVID has been a blessing and a curse. So, you know, they're playing winning basketball. Another guy is uh Tyler Hero, who's been absolutely killing it this year. So, you know, it's just it's going to be really good to see, you know, because, of course, we don't have big names off the bench. You know, these guys are like G League guys, undrafted guys, mm-hmm. you know, so to to see these guys, especially when we when we back at full strength with Jimmy and Bam and hopefully Victor Oladipo comes back himself and, you know, Kyle Lowry. And we haven't even seen Markeith Morris since freaking. I don't even know when, bro, since like the last <laughs> 20 games. So, you know, we, and even Yurtsevin has been pl- playing really good. So. It's a, we have a lot of guys out, man, but, you know, like I said, the guys that has been playing, you know, have been stepping up mightily. Yeah, shout out Yurtsevin. He made me some money yesterday. I bet on him for the double-double. <laughs> so, you know, it, guys, guys is always good in my book when they make me some bread, you know? <laughs> but um, moving on from guys that have stepped up in COVID absences and just injuries in general, Um, hate to say this name. Um, I'm not even gonna say the name. Number six on Dallas and Jalen Brunson. They've played, they've played really well. <laughs> they've played really well in um the Luca absences as well as like just like COVID protocol absences as well. They've they've picked up the slack and been the main two guys for Dallas. Um, as well as another former Nick, um, Frank Nilakina. He's played really well as well. Um, just um playing defense, playing great defense, shooting shooting the three when he can. Um, and you know, that's all you really want from role guys when they step up. So it's been, um, it's probably been really encouraging for Dallas fans, I guess, to see that their guys can play well without like Luca and Tim Hardaway. Right. Um, because it, it, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be very interesting to see how the Mavs try to mesh the styles of play. Cause there's a different style of play. They play when Luca's out there, the ball's in his exactly. hands more. It's- and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting to see if they let Jalen Brunson get more on-ball reps since he's shown that he can handle it and, mm-hmm. like, give Porzingis more touches and give him the ball where he wants the ball as well. So, Right. I mean, and Jason Kidd has kind of unlocked uh, Chris uh, Tingus Pingus. I'm not going to say his name either because I don't like him. No, I'm playing. I don't have anything against him. But uh, <laughs> uh, Jason Kidd has definitely unlocked uh, Chris as Porzingis in his post game. So, you know, it's it's going to be really good to see how if when the Mavericks later on in the season, if they aren't so Luka centric and they can, you know, give the ball to Jalen Brunson for a few minutes and have Luka play off the ball, even though it's not going to happen. But just the idea of it is going to be nice. And, you know, Chris, that's where things has been more efficient in the post, which he's we've been 
begging him since he's came into the NBA, you know, to to just be more efficient in the post because he's seven three. It's not it shouldn't be that hard. So to see him finally get some post touches and score with it is is re- going to be really important for Dallas going uh, through the season. With with um, Porzingis the post touches, I think the thing with him why he didn't get more post touches is. Um, even in New York, he struggled. This it's just his body. He's he's weak. Like his body's just weak. So yeah, like yeah, his I, lower body, his lower body. Like he never really worked on that, getting it stronger yeah. all these years. And you know the 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 knee injuries definitely don't help. The lower body extremity injuries right. don't help. So it's been a struggle for him to do that his whole career, and the injuries yeah, have just I, made it worse. So. I just wanted him to just get that, just a little hook, a little, you know, right hook, you know, not even not, not a Kareem hook shot, but a baby hook, man. Just to just turn around and shoot over a guy sometimes because he loves yeah. that fadeaway jump shot and the step back. I just wanted him to, you know, like when he gets those smaller guys on the post, just literally one dribble hook, baby hook. You know what I'm saying? It, it That's all I want. I don't want, I don't expect him to be Shaq or, you know, uh, any other dominant, you know, real dominant postman. I just wanted him just to at least use his seven three, and not, you know, he because he, he plays like he's six six or six seven. You know what I'm saying? So I just want him to use his length and just shoot over guys, you know, going towards the rim instead of fading away. So that's that was my thing with the steps. Yeah, um, and yeah, Jalen Brunson. I always knew that he had this in him, so it's it's good to see them gave him the on ball reps. Um, another guy that's kind of stepped up. I don't, I, I don't even know what like how to classify this absence. I mean, he's balled out because Kyrie doesn't didn't get vaccinated. But um, Patty Mills, he's been yeah. really good, and especially with Kevin Durant out now, I guess you can say that. Yeah, with Kevin Durant out now, he's been had to before it was James Harden that was out that he was taking advantage of those minutes, and now with Kevin mm-hmm. Durant out, he's getting he's taking advantage of those minutes and th- those touches too. Um, and he's played really well as well. Uh, let me see if I can pull up his stats real quick because we always knew he can be a sniper, but like everything else seems to be coming together. I don't know if like um Popovich was holding him back or something, but yeah, but it's he's just one of those like the Olympics, like he kills in the Olympics. It's just what we're seeing from Patty Mills is just Olympic Patty Mills or yep, people play Patty Mills, so it's like. Like you said, we, we always knew he can do it because he does it against Team USA and other professional level competitions. Just that he has to play a reserve role. So I'm not surprised to see Patty Mills snap and kill teams like the Lakers and any other team that he's been killing. So it's just like you know he's just one of those guys, man. Yeah, like over his last five, I'm seeing now he's averaging 24 points per game, four rebounds, and about four assists. So. Yeah. He's been yeah, so he's been playing really well, and I mean that's going to be key. I mean, I guess Kyrie's back now. Um, he won't be playing any home games, and the Nets don't have an away game until like the fifth of January. So <laughs> it's going to be a while till we see Kyrie back on the floor still. Um, but in that time, I guess Patty Mills will continue to take advantage of those opportunities, like he has been already. Um, they are getting Kevin Durant and Lamarcus Aldridge back from protocol, so the team is getting back to full strength. And you know. Yeah, unfortunately, they are getting back to full strength. I still don't trust them because the whole Kyrie situation is going to be very weird for them to balance, I think, with um, yeah. by a game-by-game situation. It's going to be weird when you're go- when you're going on the road and then he's coming, he's being inserted back in the lineup versus yeah. like when he comes back home, you have to take and, him out of the lineup and you have to yeah. change everything schematically. It's like right. 
it's going to be so weird. And if they get it done, kudos to them. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah, me neither. Like, 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 like you said, in theory, they're going to be super tough to deal with, especially when you got all three of those guys clicking. You know, like they're going to win some games, especially on the road. They're going to be a good road team because, you know, we got those three players plus Patty Mills and, you know, if LaMarcus Aldridge can step up and if they if Blake Griffin can play and step up and those guys, it's, it's going to be scary. But like you said, they aren't playing the rest of the season at away. So, like you said, the change of schematically, defensive schemes, minutes, rotations, plus dealing with COVID is going to be – if they can win a championship through all of that, then, I mean, hey. Yeah, I mean, yep, kudos to them. Um, moving on. Another group of guys that have played pretty well, or at least one guy, is um, Josh Hart on the Pelicans. I saw his stats the other day, like, over, like, the past couple games due to, like, just, like, Brandon Ingram and, like, I guess just more opportunity. He's been killing it, too. Let me see if I can pull these up real quick. It's not coming up. But I saw he was averaging about like 24 points per game. Yep, over his last three games, about 24 points per game, about seven rebounds, about five assists, 2.3 steals per game, shooting 65% from the field and 50% from three. So, you know, he's been getting more opportunity with guys like Valanciunas. He was out with um, non-COVID illness. Um, Brandon Ingram dealt with like an Achilles injury a couple for a couple games. So Josh Hart has been able to make the op- most of his opportunities. Kind of sucks that he's on this mid Pelicans team that's not gonna have Zion back anytime soon because it's like he's producing, but it would be fun to see him produce on like a winning team. And it's it's weird that he didn't really get. It didn't seem like he got offers this off season from like a lot mm-hmm. of contenders or like just like good teams, and he ended up signing up back with the Pelicans. So yeah, that's unfortunate because he's he's that type of guy. He's he's that type of championship type of player. Like you know just. You know, that's all the dirty work. Yeah, he has been games where he has like two, three points and like fifteen rebounds. You know what I'm saying? That's like you know ridiculous, and he's not a, a horrible shooter to where you can just sag off of him. But you yep. know, he just like you said, he just makes winning plays. He plays defense. He, he rebounds. He just does all the dirty work, you know, for teams. So, but it's it's unfortunate that it's kind of getting wasted uh, in, in New Orleans, and he's just playing his heart out for a lottery ticket or a lottery seed, not even a play in seed. Yeah, so it's just yeah. So, but yeah, I, I would I would take him in Miami any day. So yeah, I think I, I, some Knicks fans they wanted him here to replace them to kind of play that Reggie Bullock role that we kind of like wanted. Um, that we kind of took like Fournier instead to play not Reggie Bullock's role on defense, but like offensively. Reggie, yeah. yeah, offensively we wanted to make a couple shots. Yeah, yeah, but we we didn't go that route, and you know. I guess some Knicks fans, they probably would like Josh Hart right now instead of Evan Fournier, especially <laughs> the contracts and the way they're playing and just – Yeah. But um, moving on um, to um, – I guess, yeah, let's, injury news, I guess, briefly before we get into this next thing. It kind of leads into the next thing. We do got the Cavs' Ricky Rubio towards ACL last night. Sucks for him. Sucks for the Cavs. The Cavs were one of the surprising teams in the East, and that was partially due to Ricky Rubio helping out Darius Garland in the backcourt. There, um, he's been really solid for them, 
And with Garland in protocols and now Rubio out, their guard play is really going to struggle because I don't really know who else is on the team. Yeah, I like, literally can't name anybody I think else. it's Kevin Pangos and, like, sorry, I don't know who that was. I think he used to play for Arizona's college basketball team a couple years ago. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's going to be tough. for. I mean, the Cavs, they already got Colin Sexton out. Now they got Josh Hart out and – not Rubio. Josh Hart, Ruby, Ricky Rubio out. <laughs> Maybe they should look into getting like a Josh Hart to like, um, to be on the wing with for them because I know they do need wing help as well. But yeah, it's gonna this be interesting to see what they do to shore up, um, the guard play. They're about to put the Garland. ball in Isaac Okoro's hands. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, you got to see what you're working with on your roster first. But no, man, like I, I really do like that Cavs roster, especially at full strength. Uh, with the the three big lineups with uh, Jared Allen, uh, Mobley, and uh, Markkinen, it was that's a great lineup, you know. And then Garland has been playing at a you know a nearly all. You can make the case he's an all star this year. I wouldn't say so, uh, but yeah, man, it just, it just sucks for that roster because it's like they were playing so good, and then everything just went downhill super fast. So I mean, so it's just unfortunate. And then Rubio was having like what he had like twenty seven, thirteen, and nine or something before he went out with the injury. So yeah, it's just it's crazy how we have having that great game and then you know, but that's injuries, man. Yep, that is the life in the NBA. I mean, they could probably use one of these G League call up guys or like one of these older vets that everyone is clamoring for. I don't even know who. Yeah, I don't even know who's available anymore because everybody got signed. Yeah, maybe they call up Mario Chalmers. I don't even know at this point. They call Mario but, Chalmers, man. It's going to be a point guard battle with him and Garland in the backcourt. <laughs> I'm letting you know that. <laughs> you know but, yeah, um, speaking of injury news, um, also, Paul George, a couple days ago, they they showed they revealed that he um, has, like, a torn ligament, I think, in his elbow. He'll be evaluated in, like, it was like three or four weeks or something like that. In the meantime, the cat, the the whoa, the Clippers are now without Kawhi and Paul George, and they're in very weird territory. I mean, they they get to play, they they get to showcase a lot of their their young guys now with Brandon Boston and Keon Johnson and Amir Coffey and whatnot. But um, yeah. other than that, I mean, it's, it's been a yeah. really weird year for the Clippers and. I mean, if they somehow get into the playing battle and Kawhi and PG are able to help them make a push, that's the only way I see this season like, yeah, man. going. Another guy that needs to step up for them offensively, especially is Terrence Mann. Um, we saw him explode last year in the playoffs against uh, that was it game six or seven at Utah or against Utah. So, I, I mean, I don't game think six. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a closeout game, but I, it's just that roster is so weird, man, because it's like they don't have great guards. Like Reggie Jackson is cool. Eric Bledsoe is cool. Luke Kennard is kind of inconsistent. He can shoot the lights out the ball, but it's just like, you know, that roster, they, they already lack some defensive, you know, stoppers on the, at the wing, at the guard position. So it's like, you know, do you, do you sacrifice your defense for offense? So now Luke Kennard is definitely going to have the ball in his hands a lot more. Um Eric Bledsoe is going to have the ball, ball in his hands a lot more. Marcus Morris is going to step up and take however many shots because he thinks he's a superstar. So we're about to see maximum Marcus Morris. And, you know, I don't know. That, that, that roster, I mean, if they can win enough games to be in the spot to be in a, a playoff or play-in position, 
you know, with the absence of Paul George. I just don't think that they have a lot of winning talent on that roster without Paul George and Kawhi to just, you know, to stay afloat. So, I mean, if they can, good for them, but I, I just don't see it personally. Yeah, they're 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 in a very weird spot. They're one of the harder teams to gauge on a night to night basis because some nights they'll like they'll look like, oh, they'll be a sneaky playing team even without Paul George because, you know, like their guys are playing hard. But then other nights it's just like it's really hard. Yeah, but I, and I give a lot, a lot of that uh, credit to Tyron Lou because a lot of people like to discredit T. Lou, but T's is legit one of the better coaches in the NBA. I, I say a top five or six coach uh, with his schematics and just how he sets players up, you know, in position to just win defensively. They're, they've been passable, you know, with Tyron Lou, but it's just like you said, it, it, the NBA is a talent based league, and they just don't have a, a lot of talent with the absence of Kawhi and PG. So you know that roster was built you know, for those guys to be there and those guys to be complimentary pieces. But now that those guys have to be, you know, have to step up and be the main focal of the offense, you know, it's the focal point of the offense. It's just going to be hard for them to stay, you know, stay afloat. So, yeah. So um, moving on, um, another team that's in weird territory and sneak preview of my disappointing teams this year is the Boston Celtics. They, um, they lost in a really bad fashion to a really depleted Minnesota team. Um I don't know I don't know if you saw the other night, but they were without Jason Tatum, which is like mm-hmm. okay. They're without Marcus Smart, which out without Dennis Schroeder, without um Josh Richardson, but they still had like a capable team of being able to beat yeah. Whatever Minnesota I, I threw out, already, there. yeah. Minnesota had me out there. Minnesota, they might, they, they might Minnesota literally, Minnesota literally put their team together that day, basically, literally. and still were able to beat the Celtics. And throughout this whole season, and even dating back to last season, the Celtics and I've seen a lot of Celtics fans. They've they've debated if if the Jason Tate, the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown duo is something that can work in cohesion because so far it hasn't i mean if you you, just looking at this year jason tatum i don't think he's had a good game when jalen brown is on the court meanwhile jalen brown has been able to pretty much play well most of the time yeah and overall jason tatum has been having a really weird season where he's had like he's had a hot stretch where he had a he went on like a really good streak of games but like he's come back down to like where he was earlier in the season, and it's just been an overall weird season for the Celtics and the Jays. So, I mean, what do you think of that situation going on over there in Boston? Yeah, man, uh, I always tease my friends and joke about my my, my Boston Celtics fans friends. It's just like, no, this it's Jalen Brown's team. You know, I always joke with them, but it's like, you know, to me, you don't separate the two guys because they're. Even though it's been a rough season, I just think that their their skill sets and their games, you know, people got to realize that this is what Jalen Brown's fourth year in the NBA or fifth, and this is Jason Tatum's fourth year. So it's like these guys are still young, man. So it's like yeah. the the surrounding pieces aren't really complementary of their games with the Josh Richardsons and the uh, the, the I don't think Dennis Schroeder does anything for them. Um, they don't have any real wing depth with, you know, they have Neesmith who is, you know, whatever. And they just don't have a lot of depth on that roster. But the main, the main problem, the one, one of the biggest problems to me is 
Jason Tatum's efficiency, man. His usage is super high, but his efficiency is just so low. And I get it, his usage is high because, of course, Jalen Brown has been out. But it's like, man, he's shooting 41% from the field, 33% from three. And it's just like, like, come on. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just bad for him to be that of a volume score, but that efficiency. So he's taking 21 shots a game. It's just, I don't know. I just think that he should take. I mean, you can't even say take less shots. It's just that the shots that he's taking is just not going in, you know? And he's shooting himself in the rhythms, and it's like, I don't know, man. The, the roster is just so poorly built. Uh, Ime Udoka, sometimes it's like, you know, what is he doing out there with the rotations? And it's just a weird season for Boston. It, it's just like really, I don't know. It's just hard to explain that team because they have so much talent on paper. In theory, you know, a Horford coming back too. Mm-hmm. I it's just you know I don't know I feel like a lot of guys aren't maximizing their potential, um and it's just weird man like yeah it's just hard to explain that team literally because sometimes they look like a great team and they can they was just competing with Milwaukee and going you know the last possession of the game and like you said they come out and they lay an egg against a literally a junior varsity Minnesota Timberwolves team so it's just weird extremely weird. And it's going to be interesting to see how they approach the trade deadline because we got a lot of teams in the league this year that look like they may need to sell off some parts, may do a a short, uh, a soft rebuild, soft rebuild. Some other teams need to do a hard rebuild, right. like um, Portland and Indiana are the first two teams that come to mind. Yeah, Boston may have to join them in that if things continue to not look as good. Right. And I get it. They want to maximize these young guys' potential with this window. But it's like when you put yourself against the teams like Miami and Milwaukee and Brooklyn, like you just can't compete in this series. Like fully healthy, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and Max, Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, uh, freaking who, who, Peyton Pritchard, you know, all these other guys, Robert Williams. Like you just don't have what you – you don't have the, the facilities to compete against these other teams. Like you just don't. So, I mean, if they want to rebuild and punt on this year and, I guess, you know, waste, you know, a year of Tatum and Brown together and reevaluate, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst decision. But at the same time, I get it. You want to be a competitive team because you're the Boston Celtics. Yeah. It's just, um, they're, they're in a really weird spot. Yep. Very weird. So, um, yearly tradition on the podcast is – Always talking about the Christmas Day games, so let's get into at least let's get into at least three of them. I mean, it was at this point it was like a couple of days ago, even a couple of days ago. It's like four or five days ago at this point, but um, mm-hmm. there were some there were some interesting matchups on paper at least until like everyone got COVID and stuff like that, and <laughs> no one could play. But um, the Knicks Hawks game was fun for me as a Knicks fan, just being able to see the Knicks look like a cohesive unit, even though it was against the semi-skeleton squad Hawks team. Um, was fun seeing Kemba get the triple-double. Um, also fun seeing Obi do the, the between-the-legs dunk again, this time in a win. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, that game was pretty much a blowout other than that, which was enjoyable for me as a Knicks fan. I don't know if anyone else enjoyed that game. Um <laughs> I don't know if anyone else really enjoyed that game. How did how did you feel about that game? Did you watch it? Yeah, it was cool. I, it was cool to see Kimba get that triple double. Um, like I said, the Hawks really didn't have much to put on the floor. 
Uh, Cam Reddish had a trash game. I'm a huge Cam Reddish fan, but he was out there looking like a, a G League player. Um, it was nasty to watch. Uh, like like the Obi was Obi was cool. Julius Randle had a great game. Uh, Q was on national TV. Yeah, yeah, touche. And you know Evan Fournier actually looked like an NBA player too. So it was cool. I got to see my hometown guy, even though it was in a, uh, about 30 seconds of play. Cat Barber coming to the game for the Hawks get a, get a quick assist, but um. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool, man. But like I said, it was it was just like a weird game. Kimba got the triple double. It wasn't like a super impressive triple double. It was one of those, you know, eh, triple doubles. Trying to yeah, him. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna discredit him regardless. But no, nah, it was cool. Like like the the highlight of the game, of course, was Obi's uh, between the legs dunk in game in a win. The last time we did was against Indiana, right? And you guys, yeah, we lost, yeah. Yeah, yeah, badly. So, yeah, man. So it it was it was cool. It was a nice appetizer uh for the ensuing christmas games that we saw yeah so speaking of the ensuing christmas games um what you call it we had boston versus milwaukee which was like a, a boston like slaughter in like the first for majority of the game and then like Giannis woke up and like he was like <laughs> all right i'm the best player in the league i'm about to show it right now and like he just started going crazy and moments like that it was like like that's like those are moments where you realize like yo this guy is like the best guy in the league right now and it's just like it was it was, it was a great game i mean just seeing him be able to take over the game on both ends and he's able he's able to do it so often where like he's able to do it so often in a way where it's 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 normal to you but like it still kind of like shocks you when you see it because like the timing that he had on that dunk coming over he played like it was a two on one with Jason Tatum and Robert Williams and he played it so perfectly where he able to, where he was able to get the block and it was able to deflect out of bounds off of Boston for them to be able to get the ball back. I mean, just seeing those plays like that, it was just like amazing. So how did you feel about that game? Yeah, man, it was, it was a great game. Uh, I, Giannis has these stretches sometimes, man, where it's just like, like literally is nobody in NBA history that can do some of the things they can do athletically. It's just like for him to be as strong as he is and as fast as he is and as athletic. And now his game is, is starting to round into shape where he has a respectable jump shot now. I mean, even though he's still just dominating the paint, it's just sometimes he has these stretches where it's like, like it's, it's literally nothing you can do with him. And then, like you said, defensively, just his ability to just cover so much ground in no time. Like you said, that to cover a two on one is not like it's two guards. Just Jason Tatum was what six nine, and Robert Williams was six nine as well. For him to just like be able to defend multiple positions effectively it's just like it's it's mind-boggling sometimes and it's like you know we guess we we kind of got used to it now but it's just crazy to see sometimes it's like dang like there's nobody in the world that can do that so yeah and like he like yeah it's just like remarkable what he's able to do yeah. Um. I I I think when the the I think the Bucks this year are kind of deeper than they were last year. I yeah. mean, the Brook Lopez injury does kind of stink for them, but like Demarcus Cousins has been able to sort of kind of shore up the center backup minutes with um yeah. Bobby with Bobby Portis. Portis. So it hasn't been too bad. Bringing back Wes Matthews has been pretty good for them as well. He's been pretty solid since he came back to them. They just got back Dante Divincenzo as well who they didn't have in last year's playoffs. I think you can also give Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale 
spare wing minutes in a playoff series occasionally. Yeah. So they really have more depth than they did last year because they were giving like the nastiest like minutes in the playoffs last year. And yeah, it was, it was just horrible. like so yeah. being able to like not have to play him until like garbage time for real this year in the playoffs <laughs> is gonna be really key for um for them being able to repeat and like we've seen the stats with them this year with um when the big three plays they've barely they I think they've they haven't played that often together. But when they do, we beat them. They, just to say that, I just. <laughs> but other than y'all, you and like I think some other team are like the only two teams to have beat them when they're at full strength. So yeah, I mean that's just and, a testament to like how good those three are and like how deep they are when those three are playing. And yeah, and, and two things. First of all, I don't think Chris Middleton hasn't been playing to the level that yet that he was. Oh, last of course year. not. He's been super poop. But I think that if, if uh, is Brooke Lopez out? Is he out for the season, or is it just like just? I don't know. Goes? I think I think he's out for the season, but like because it's back surgery, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, those are tricky. really tricky. Yeah, but so, for Boogie, I really like the additions of Grayson Allen and Boogie because I think that Grayson Allen is a big time game player, even though he's been trash lately. Uh, I think that in the playoffs, he's going to be a good shooter. He's he, the difference between Grayson Allen and a lot of different shooters, like he can actually make a play off the ball and make a dribble and, you know, do something. And then Boogie, from a playmaking standpoint with Giannis, I don't think that they've had a big man, or they have had a big man with that, you know, playmaking presence to where you can put him at the top of the key, and you can space the floor and have, have him as a threat instead of Brooke Lopez, who's just, you know, just standing out there just waiting for a, a kick out. You know, Boogie can actually make a make a good play and, you know, how you can have a, have a two man game with Boogie and Giannis, you know, from a playmaking standpoint, you know. So I think that that addition, you know, in spot minutes with Boogie, you know, whatever he's playing with, twenty minutes a game, eighteen minutes a game, or whatever, I think that those minutes are going to be really important for them, especially in the playoffs. Defensively, so liability, but he's still a big body that can still bang with guys like what Embiid and you know those kind of guys in, in the playoffs. So I think that those additions are going to be really, really pivotal, especially if Boogie can stay healthy. So. Yeah, I mean, we saw in the playoffs last year with um with Boogie, he was able to give spot very few spot minutes for the Clippers and help yeah. them like cover ground on 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 the court. So if right, he plays yeah. like those type of minutes again for a Milwaukee team that's deeper than they were last year, I feel like that's a plus for them. Exactly. Um, they always have Giannis at the five to fall back on, which is like in- unstoppable. Yeah, the perfect the perfect backup plan you know if you exactly what yeah, bobby portis isn't going boogie isn't going you still have yana so it's like and know. like even their undrafted rookie um sandro mamush kalasvili he's been he's been okay like i seen him play earlier this year he's mm-hmm. been okay even jordan nuora gives them great minutes when yeah he he's been too. shooting lights out the ball so like, like they like like I, like I said they've they are way deeper than they than they were in years in years past and I'd even mention like guys like I'd even mention personally Grayson Allen or George Hill. Yeah, so like yeah. Pat Connaughton. Yeah, you know. exactly. So they've got a whole bunch of guys they can fall back on. And I think they did, they did a great job um, building out like a, a chance to repeat, especially in this weird year, another right. weird year. Like if you could take advantage of these weird years and build something sustainable that can win games, then you got to do it and the bucks they've done that so i mean kudos to them um 
I'd be happy if Giannis were able to repeat again. I mean, it's one of my favorite players. So, but yeah, yeah. they've they've done a good job. That's all right because once he runs into Bam and Jimmy again, we're gonna have a different story. So, I mean, he ran story. into y'all last year, and it wasn't it was a problem hey, man, for him, but we had we it wasn't had, a problem for everyone else. <laughs> man, we had freaking uh, Duncan Robinson switched out on Giannis sometimes. Man, that is not good. That was uh, not a recipe for winning. So, hey, man, we're we're, we're better tooled. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> nah, the thing is, Giannis didn't even look good in that series. That's the thing. He didn't look good in that series, but he like um he was able to have guys like Bryn Forbes and stuff to fall back on. And when you replace Bryn Forbes, yeah. like Grayson Allen, George Hill, Jordan Nora, then like you have the same recipe for success, basically. It's just a matter if guys are gonna hit their shots. And Wesley Matthews too. Too. Yeah, yeah, because he last year he was literally a cadaver on the court. He was just well, you know, playing with, playing with the Lakers, you lose your talent when literally, you're an elite yeah, shooter. I, it, so it, it literally does. So he was out there for cardio. He wasn't playing defense; like he was getting cooked. So it was like he was just out there, just vibing, vibing. yeah, super vibing, yep. <laughs> super vibing. <laughs> but yeah, man, the, the Bucks are. I think that you know, even with Brooklyn healthy. I do think that the Bucks just have a little bit more t- to offer uh, in the East. I think they're the favorite to come out the East. All by yeah, itself. yeah. So um, moving on to the third Christmas Day game because that was the that was the last one I saw before I absolutely got knocked out by the boredom <laughs> of the Lakers and Nets blowout that turned into like an, an exciting game at the end, which I missed. But um, speak on the Suns and the the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors, they were missing, like, Jordan Poole, I think it was, that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I think they – was Andrew Wiggins out that game, too, or did he play that game? I think he played that game. He was out. Andrew Wiggins was out. He was out they that game, missing, too? Yeah. Yep. So they were they, they were missing those two guys due to the COVID protocol, but the game was still otherwise exciting. And it's, 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 it's remarkable to see Golden State still in these games with these teams while being depleted because it just shows that when they're at full strength, they're still going to be a, a problem, which yeah, I think a lot of people are still in denial about. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, um, Steph didn't look that good. He hasn't looked that good in a, in a while, honestly. He had 33 on 10 for 27 shooting. So yeah, it wasn't the most efficient Steph night. And it's funny because that's probably that's the best Christmas Day game. He's that's the played. best Christmas Day game he's ever played because he's been terribly mid on Christmas. Yeah, Before that, literally. he was averaging like 13 points on like 30% from the field and 20% from three. Yeah. That's and I and the funny thing is I took his unders that day too on betting. <laughs> and he just shot it out of the water. So that was a big F you to me, I guess, for underestimating him. <laughs> But yeah, he he really he that was his best Christmas Day game for by his standards because he usually shits and pisses himself on Christmas. So yeah, seeing him Man, be able I, to do that on Christmas and then you know, um, Otto Porter just like coming in out of nowhere and like shooting the lights out in the fourth quarter really helped them close out the deal against Phoenix. Right. Yeah, man, and like even Draymond hit a couple threes. But I think that the biggest thing for them was the defense on Devin Booker. Uh, they they threw a lot of they threw a lot of bodies at Devin Booker, like Gary Payton, 
Jonathan Kaminga, like they had these other guys, these these strong wings that can guard them and long wings. It's like, you know, that they have so many good defenders on that roster. Even with Andrew Wiggins out, it's like, man, they like they can really, really, really defend. And that's the biggest key for Golden State because they can go offense heavy and they can just like have the, the ball movement just it kinda it kind of nullifies all of the the, the the floor space and weaknesses that they have because they don't have a lot of shooting on that roster for real, for real. You know, of course, Jordan Poole, Steph, obviously, and, you know, Bialisa can knock knock one down. You know, uh, Otto Porter, that's it, Otto Porter already? But, you know, so. they Wiggins. don't have a, Yeah, Wiggins, they don't have a lot of shooting. And Klay Thompson is out still, but they don't have a lot of shooting. But with their cutting and their ball movement and, you know, just the, the gravity that Steph has – it opens everything up so much for everybody that the scoring opportunities is so – it's just that they, everybody can get good shots. I mean, like I said, defensively, Gary Payton is a freaking monster defensively, man. He's in all the passing lanes. He defends well. He, Draymond is probably the best right now defensive player, in my opinion, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, so, saw, you saw that impact last night against the yeah. Nuggets. Like mm-hmm. without without um what you call it, Draymond to just even direct them. You saw a lot of lostness on the court from yeah, the Warriors. Exactly. And, and and that Christmas Day game, it was Draymond was picking up Chris Paul full court. So it's like when you got a guy that can guard Chris Paul, and then you can throw him on a a Jokic, and then you can put him on a Kevin Durant. It's like you know like that like it's no. I don't think as many guys that can do that in the NBA. And then mm-hmm. off you know off ball, he's he's quarterback in the defense. He's everywhere. He's in the passing lanes. He's getting contestants, contest shots. He's getting deflections. Like it's just that team is so on a string defensively and offensively with the ball movement. They're just so dangerous, and they still don't have Clay and James Wiseman. So, yeah, the thing with James Wiseman, I'm a lot of people are low on him. Um, I think it's because like he had a pretty, he had like a pretty poor showing his his rookie year because um, yeah. he just was like really raw. If he can just do some of the basic stuff this year at center he'll he'll really help because what you call it um kevon looney struggles in a lot of matchups and like if james Wiseman could be a bigger body and like just like be disciplined it's gonna be a lot to ask him because he's still super young and super raw and he didn't really get to finish his rookie year out so mm-hmm. it's gonna be very interesting to see what the warriors do with um with the center position in the playoffs, because yeah, like that Looney's, could be a that could be a weakness for them. Yeah, Looney's his foot speed and his lack of athleticism kind of hinders him sometimes on offense. Uh, I mean, he can catch a couple of lobs, but it got to be like a low. You know, what I'm saying he's not really fl- fl- spacing the floor vertically. With Wiseman, with all that space that he's getting from you know Draymond and Steph pick and roll play, you know that downhill, you know short roll. I think it's going to open up a lot of stuff and his athleticism. Is gonna really if he can really put it together defensively and you know not be a foul machine like a lot of young centers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he could just like be disciplined and you know use athleticism, you know, and, and switch uh, situations and even just contesting shots, it's gonna be really really big for them to add another wrinkle uh, defensively. And, you know, add some more length and size and athleticism to that defense. Yeah. Um. And as for Christmas Day games, I didn't get to see the second one. Like I said, I felt I actually I saw the Lakers Nets game up until the until the fourth quarter. That's when I fell asleep because it was like a twenty point game. Um, and we could use this to segue into like disappointing teams because the Lakers have been probably by far 
I mean, not to me. I expected this from the Lakers. Maybe not to this extent, but I've been laughing at the Lakers since they traded for Russell Westbrook because I expected this type of tomfoolery from this from this from this team. I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, I expected this from the Lakers. Um, and this is not a surprise to me, so it's not really disappointing to me. But I think disappointing to like a lot of people in general because like the Lakers have title aspirations. They should be one of the disappointing teams this year. How, how do you feel about the Lakers? Because I mean, after the Christmas Day game, that was yeah, hilarious. As, yeah, as as Charles Barkley would say, even though he's out, uh, street clothes Davis has been a super disappointment this year. And it's like, man. And then Westbrook, like, it's just times on the floor when I'm like, literally, what are you doing? Like, he just he has so many plays where it's like, like, literally, what are you doing? Like. What was the plan? What was the thought process? It's just like sometimes it's like I was looking at that Christmas Day game, and there was a couple plays where I was like, okay, like LeBron's bringing him back. He's making plays. He's making shots. Defensively, he's doing good. It's just like, I don't know. That roster is just so weird, man. It's like they don't have any wing defenders. They don't have any guard defenders. They're big men. You can't play DeAndre Jordan. He's literally there for the contract. He's just there to chill in L.A. He's really there for the locker room guy. Dwight Howard, he he can play spot minutes, but his style of play and his age, he can't really, you know, play up and down, you know, with the, the teams go small, he can't really dominate. So it's like well, you gotta you gotta play LeBron at the five as your last resort. You know, even though it's been effective, it's like you shouldn't have to do this with a thirty seven year old LeBron. You know, even though he's putting up these crazy numbers still, it's like you you brought Westbrook in to relieve that. Anthony Davis should have been taking another step. He's only what, twenty seven? He should be taking another step in his development and being one of the five, six, seven best guys in the NBA, which he hasn't been doing. Uh, the shooting on that roster, Taylor Horton Tucker is a fraud. Oh, he, tricked, he, he tricked everybody. THT tricked everybody. Um, Avery Bradley is, is garbage. It's like that roster is so... It's like, you know, and then they want to say, you know, Taylor, uh, well, wasn't it Kendrick Nunn is coming back? Well, what is he going to add? Another guy that take a lot of shots and don't play defense, you know? So it's like that roster is just so weird. And it's like LeBron is carrying it so much when he shouldn't have to. And it's like Westbrook is just literally like. like Westbrook. Yeah, it's like every every one good play is three bad ones. Yep. So it's like literally, you, you, you know, he has been good for taking some pressure off LeBron and. You know, he's still a good playmaker, and LeBron has been getting a lot of easy looks. But it's like with every assist that Westbrook has, it's a bad turnover or a bad defensive play. So it's like you, it's like more good than bad from that roster, from everybody besides LeBron. So Yeah, I, LeBron I, I had to play start, center last night. Yeah, start at center. He, I mean, he's, been playing, he's been playing small ball center, you know, in spot minutes, but he had to start at center. That's like – that's an indictment yeah, on Anthony just, Davis and the whole roster construction. Yeah, man, it's just yeah. So it's yeah, man, it's I, just. I, I, I've I had tweets since like the beginning of. I mean, I had <laughs> tweets I, not even in the drafts on the timeline. They're on the timeline. <laughs> I said the Lakers are going to be a second round exit. That at this point may be even generous to them. At this point, they might they they're, they're a playing team right now, bro. They're, they're a playing team, team, and calling them a second round out was being so generous to them. I did not expect it to be this bad. I expected it to be bad, but not this bad. This is just hilariously bad. Yeah, it's, like, it's, 
I I saw I foresaw the Anthony Davis yearly injury. He's gonna be out like what three to four weeks or something with some nagging injury. It's always something with him. Westbrook, it's always the same cycle. He's he's bad, then he's good, then he's bad again. Oh no, we didn't see this coming. And like it's like so predictable with this team. And I knew they were gonna I knew that the fans were always were gonna be like, oh, but we have this guy and this guy and this guy. This year it's THT, Kendrick Nunn and and, and Trevor Ariza, all of them are garbage. He played one game and went out with COVID again. And he's, and he, can't, he can't even move laterally. He was out there cone, like just 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 a cone. He made some. He made a few shots the game he played, but he was yeah. out there like a cone. But other than that, like THT is garbage. I'm so tired of seeing Lakers fans throw him in every single trade. I saw a post the other day. It was yesterday actually. That what you call it? They were they were calling. They were saying someone was saying he could be Drew Holiday. It's like bro, Drew Holiday was like all star by his fourth year. THT is yeah. probably gonna be like. Serving up water to dudes on the on the sideline <laughs> in his fourth year, like he needs, he needs to be in South Bay. He needs to be in, on the South Bay Lakers with uh, Mac McClung and all those other guys. He and needs to the, be in the and they had the nerve to say that oh he didn't need summer league reps because he's he's too good or whatever it was. Like my God, this team is like so <laughs> they are so unaware and it's so hilarious to see them fail. Mm-hmm. And it's like I saw it coming and like I mean I just don't know what they do like. For them this year, Stanley Johnson, who has been a hardship signing, he's probably been one of, one of their most consistent guys since they got him. Yes. And that's hilarious to see. That's a shame. Yeah. And it's that's like, it's, 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 he's what they needed because he is a wing that can defend. Literally. And like, he's a big body. That's and like, they, that's what they needed. And the front office, I guess, they didn't think they needed wings when they were filling out the roster. I guess they thought like Trevor Ariza was enough, and that's it. So um, Wayne, Wayne Ellington, like what? Like come on, bro. Good. Another thing. Did you know, Westbrook has been so bad? Back to this bum. Did you know that he missed he missed eleven shots in the restricted area against the Nets? Yep, I saw that stat, and Do I you think know that was how hard it is to miss eleven shots in the restricted area. It's not as that a, hard for him athletic- because he did it before. Um, a couple years before he broke his own record yeah. for that, bro. I don't know if it's anybody in the NBA that athletic to miss eleven shots within three feet of the basket. I think. I think with him though, he's just like he's lost what you call it. Um, some of that athletic burst and yeah. like he's still when, athletic, but he's not as athletic as what he was. Yeah, and when you lose it, when you're already not a good shooter and a not good de- good decision maker, it just makes everything that much worse. Yeah, man. And I mean, it's just it just turned out exactly how I expected it to be. I mean, there's still time for them to turn the season around, but like Pretty at run. this point in the season, you kind of are what you are. And like it's, it's, barring, it's 37, 38 games into the season. It's not like it's game 10, 15. Yeah, no, we're, and like we're bar, almost, we're almost halfway through the season. Yeah, and barring some major trade, this is kind of like what the roster is gonna look like for the rest of the year. So any improvement is gonna have to come from in house. So and like I don't Unless, really see how much better things get for them in house. So I'm willing to trade. I can propose this trade right now. I'm not sure if Pat and uh Kalinka's gonna do it, but I'm willing to trade Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, couple picks. I'll even throw in KZ for LeBron. <laughs> At this point, 
the Lakers need to blow it up anyway. So they're not they're not they're not going to waste LeBron's last two good years of basketball. He's freaking forty years old. They're not going to waste it. So come back home, LeBron. <laughs> If any if any home he's going back to, it would be Cleveland at this point because yeah, honestly, yeah, two they weeks look ago, at that would have actually been a good situation two weeks ago, but now every bad whole roster depleted right now. But yeah, yeah, um, and like some other disappointing teams, we kind of spoke about my Knicks already. They're one of the disappointing teams, especially to me because I was super high on the additions that we made this year, and I just thought you know. Build off last year, you know, get better internal improvements with like talent just improving internally, getting guys, getting guys that fit what you needed badly. So, you know, I just thought that that's what was going to happen. Um, and what you call it, um, the Hawks, they're another disappointing team. A lot of people had them as a top three team. Um, in the East, yeah, that's, a bad, that's a bad roster, man. Or it's not, it's not even a bad roster. It's just that they're just, I don't know. It's like the, the whole Trey Young situation was cool. I mean, it was bad at the beginning of the season. That was cool. But then all the injuries, and it's just like, I don't know. The What's his, what's his name? DeAndre Hunter going out. Yeah, that whole expectation of them being a three seed. I didn't, unless I got receipts on Twitter. And you can call me out, but I didn't expect them to be as good as they were last year and make a, a, a Eastern Conference Finals push again. I thought that was kind of fortunate for them. You know, they they played against the Knicks, who wet the bed. Uh, then who did they play in the second round? They played uh, Philly, who wet the bed again on themselves with you know uh, Ben Simmons, and we already know how how that played out. But you know, I just don't think that that roster was built for another, you know deep playoff run so yeah i said last year that that last year was their peak because yep. um that was a lightning in a bottle yep you got to take advantage of um they took advantage of the moment that presented themselves to them and you know what you call it um yeah it just everything really fell into their laps the right way so mm-hmm. like they were able to take advantage of kudos to them i mean this year a lot of teams got better or not a lot of teams got better, but like teams got better. Like the Bulls got better. The Nets, Nets got better. Cavs, Cavs got better. Like some teams got better, but like they somehow regressed. So like they haven't won a home game since November twenty second. That's crazy to me. Yeah, like my Knicks are bad at home, but like, <laughs> woo, that's awful. That's like it's awful, been almost yeah. a whole. It's been more than a whole month, so like, I don't know, I don't know what they're gonna do. They, they, it's funny. They was all talking like Nate McMillan was like God for like saving them last year, and I mean, kudos for to him for what he did last year. But you know, not every every season is not the same. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think everything that, is not know, gonna present itself the way that it did last year, right? So yeah, and then the whole the whole Trey Young thing, like it's just hard to win with small guards who are that heliocentric offensively. Like that roster goes as far as Trey Young goes. So, you know, he's been playing really good this year, but it's just like I don't know. I, I just I'm still not a believer in the rest of the pieces around him. Yeah. Like, you know, like Cam Reddish has been cool. Like they had like 
I don't know. They're roster. not consistent though. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, guys like um, freaking Lou Williams. Where is he at? He's COVID. Uh, they they was playing Timothy Luwalu. Uh, Jalen Johnson. With COVID. Yeah, he's I still don't believe in Jalen Johnson. Uh, Delon Wright is poop to me. Um, he's been okay for them. He's inconsistent, he's, but he's been okay. Yeah, he's been poop to me. Well, he, John, he's, he's, John Collins can't do nothing without Trey out there. I mean, he had a couple good games, but like other than that, yeah, he's if, yeah. That roster. If is, Trey's not setting up the table for him, then right. That roster is very dependent on how good is Trey Young going to be tonight. Yep. And even if he dishes him out and he's getting all these good looks for that team, it's like if they the, the guy still got to knock shots, it down. Still got to make shots. That's it. That's it's a like I say, it's a make or miss lead. So. And he can generate a trillion open shots, but if you're not, if you can't make them, that I mean, that, yep. that's, that's the story. So, yeah, we kind of already spoke on Boston being a disappointing team as well. Um, lastly, before we get out of here, um, I don't want to talk about surprising teams because I feel like it's been pretty obvious what those two surprising teams have been: Cavs yeah. and I guess the Bulls to an extent. If you didn't believe in the Bulls, um. And we kind of already spoke about the Cavs and why they've been good. Shout out to Evan Mobley and Jared Allen looking like legit twin towers down low. Yeah. Um, when they're both playing and fully healthy. Um other than that, let's get into some like quick rookie talk before we get out of here. Other night, Franz Wagner had 38 against the defending champions. And help them make it a game when that game was pretty much a blowout for most of the night. So, so yeah, I mean, shout out to him. He's been he's been pretty solid all year. Um, Mm -hmm. averaging he's been averaging about like twenty a game for like a good recent stretch at this point. Um, who else? Scotty Barnes. When he's my guy. When he's good. Go ahead. I I love Scotty Barnes, man. Like. His playmaking ability, his defensive ability, he can he's scoring now. He was freaking hitting step back jumpers on Brooklyn. Like he like I think he's gonna be like the, the future future. Like him and Evan Mobley are like, you know, they're my two favorite rookies right now. You know, Evan Mobley has been doing everything on both sides of the ball. Like he can do everything. He can shoot it, he can pass it, he can rebound, he scores, he has low post moves, he's Defensively, he can switch. Vers- uh, he's versatile. He blocks shots. It's like those two guys literally—they check off all the boxes. So yeah, and that's that's all you can ask for for rookies coming in and taking like mm-hmm. rotation minutes. And for those two, like you said, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley—they've come in and taken starter minutes along with Wagner and Cade Cunningham. Yeah, and you know I think we've got a pretty solid rookie class this year of guys coming in and just making an impact. Like we spoke about earlier of Quentin Grimes, like. He was the 25th yeah. pick, and he's been able to solidify somewhat of a rotation spot now as of late. And, you know, it's just it's just showing that this class has been really good. But, like, I think the main four that have taken a, a hold on the Rookie of the Year race are Arcade, of course. He's come on strong before the protocols. Um, Evan Mobley was pretty much, like, a, a pretty solid reason of – why the Cavs were so successful before yeah. he got into protocols as well. Same with Scotty Barnes. Wagner has avoided protocols for the most part, and he's been able to still ball out. So, mm-hmm. but other than that, it's been like a pretty good rookie class for me personally. 
if I had to pick a rookie of the year, it'd probably be Evan Mobley just because I know this isn't usually a factor in like picking rookie of the year, but just his impact winning. on winning. Yeah. Yeah. He, so yeah. His I mean, number, like, and and his his game is so like it's just versatile, man. For him to like be doing the things that he is as 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 a big, because you know it, the learning curves for bigs is always it takes a couple of years, but to see him. This good, and I think that it, the the Jared Allen next to him has been very very beneficial. So he doesn't have to guard like the Embiid's and the Jokic, and the you know the other dominant big men in the NBA. So I feel like that has been really beneficial. So we can like kind of coast on the you know on, on the fours or the threes or whatever. So yeah, like you said, they have been winning with Moby. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, usually that's not a factor in like rookie of the year, but I feel like this year it should be really. Take an advantage, take it into account just because you don't really see a rookie come in and really like dominate both sides the way he has and impact winning the yeah. way he does. And I think you just have to factor that in right. with him. Um, yeah. so I think I think that's that's all we got for today's episode. Um thanks for coming on, Cam. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, bro. Anytime, literally. Um again, let the people know where they could find you before we head out of here. Right, follow me on Twitter at CamDeloach6. Uh, follow me on Instagram at C.Deloach. You can also follow the publication. Yeah, man, that's what you can find me at. You heard the man. Um, and for me, I'll always plug the Strickland Nick site that I've been lucky to be a part of. We just surpassed 10K followers on Twitter. So, you know, follow that while you can. Um, always putting out fresh content daily, that site. Um, and yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, man.